The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. So we're going to be in Psalm 19. We started a couple of weeks ago a series in Psalms, and we're going to be in Psalm 19 uh, this morning. Two years ago, my daughter graduated from high school, and we decided as a family we would take a a big vacation for us, and so we packed up the car, seven people headed to Yellowstone, and if you've never driven to Yellowstone with five kids, I, I highly recommend it. I would, I'd let you take my five if you wanted to this summer. Um, and so we go to Yellowstone, and I'm just blown away by the beauty there. And one day, we were on the east side of the park, and we decided to head east into Montana over a place called Beartooth Pass. And as we are driving uh, toward Beartooth Pass, we stop. There's just a little pull-off where there is a mountain lake. And in the mountain lake, there's about a, a three or four acre block of ice that's just sitting there. And I'm looking at that reflecting off the water that's like glass, the mountains reflecting in the background, and then above the mountains, just skies that are so beautiful and blue. And I was just stunned. I was speechless. I didn't want to move or leave that place. And, and then I whispered, Psalm 19. It was so amazing, like nothing I'd ever seen. And I'd seen lots of places. But in this moment... In my mind, the heavens were declaring the glory of God in ways that I would never forget. So I want to read Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words whose voices in their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber. And like a strong man runs its course with joy, it's rising from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. We can all amen that today, right? The law of the Lord, then the psalmist says, is perfect. See, he moves from the skies to the scriptures. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean Enduring forever, the rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins." Let them not have dominion over me, then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. God, that's our prayer today, that as we look in the word and consider it, that both our words, 
that are spoken, that the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in your sight, God, that your word would shape who we are, that it would transform who we are, and that even as we do the simplest things, like looking up at the sky, that we would give you glory because you're the creator of all things. God, we thank you for this chance we have to be together, to sing together, to see one another's faces, and to declare that Jesus is Lord. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, the heavens are declaring the glory of God, and that is what they do all day, every day, on beautiful days like today where there's a nice breeze and we're enjoying one another's company, on dark and stormy days where we see God's power that humanity cannot stop, we are reminded that God is God. All day, every day, the heavens declare the glory of God, and they're pointing us to a greater reality than themselves. And what's beautiful about that is that no matter where you go, the heavens are declaring the glory of God the, the first time that I was able to speak to people about Jesus outside was not too far from here. It was right outside Planet Hollywood in Dallas, Texas. But every other time I've done that, it's been in another place. And so as I was thinking about today and how this scripture describes how the heavens over and over every day and really everywhere are speaking knowledge, are declaring their words or their measuring line goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world that I've, I've seen believers in Ukraine declare the glory of God out under this same sun that shines on us. That in, in Rwanda, uh, I and Danny and Tim and TJ and others from our body, some of you have gone and outside with a local church there We've gathered as the people of God and declared His glory. And in Rwanda, all the while we're doing it, the hills around us are declaring His glory and the clouds going by are declaring His glory. Rwanda, they call the land of a thousand hills. And they, they say that they have a wet season and a dry season. And in the wet season, Rwanda is this really beautiful green. And in the dry season, it's just another shade of really beautiful green. Our, our missionaries, our, our missionaries in, in the UAE, one of the first, uh, first times we went to visit our, our, our missionaries there, there we are in the Arabian desert outside meeting as the church. The good news is it was January, so it was kind of cool for that day. It was only 95. But they were there, and we were there declaring the glory of God among these dunes, and just as the skies declare His glory. We get to do that as well. All nature does it all the time. And what it looks like is it looks like the sun running its course under the arc of a tent. Kind of like there's an arc of the Scripture that declares the glory of Jesus from beginning to end. And it says that the sun runs its course like a bridegroom coming out of its chamber. Nothing is hidden from its heat. So here in our context in the West, when people get married, the, the bride is the star of the show. But in the East, it's the bridegroom. So Jesus says, when people ask him, why aren't your disciples fasting? And he says that, that the friend of the bridegroom rejoices at its coming. 
because the bridegroom was the star of the show. And, and so the psalmist says, the sun's like a bridegroom. It's coming out in all of his glory. And it gives light and it gives heat. It gives warmth. It gives beauty. It displays power. And that is what the heavens do. Nothing is hidden from its heat. So it doesn't matter where you are 12 hours ago, Believers were worshiping in Indonesia, and then in India, and then in Arabia, and then in Rwanda, and then in Ukraine, and then in France, as the sun has run its course, and now right here in central Texas. Now when it says nothing is hidden from its heat, and when you think about how the skies declare the glory of God, I just began to read about the sun. As I, as I read about it, I, I thought it was just an interesting contrast. A couple of weeks ago, we watched this space plane, the dragon, take off, and it was really amazing to watch it take off, and as it's taking off, the people who are commentating are explaining all these things that are happening, and rocket fuel's going this way and that way, and then the rockets drop off, and then they get out of the Earth's atmosphere. And when they get out of the Earth's atmosphere, and they're looking down, you can see the Earth, you can see the moon, you can see in outer space. They're just in awe, and nobody's talking about the ship anymore. They're talking about the view and how amazing it is and just how it declares His glory. So the sun is one star that's the center of one solar system among many, many galaxies. And our sun covers 99% of the solid mass of the solar system. About a million Earths, if you were the most efficient, you could fit the Earth in the sun a million times. The sun is making nuclear fusion right now, which makes me really glad it's really far away, right? It takes light eight minutes to get here from there. At its hottest points, it reaches 15 million degrees Celsius. And there's a God who makes it move, who controls it every day, who guides it on its course, and it is declaring that God is God. See, many ancient religions thought that the sun was a God, but in reality, it's just one of the many, and by far not the biggest or the brightest star that God created. And along with all creation, the sun is declaring God is God. See, Psalm 19 is not the only place that we hear this. All creation is declaring God's glory. I want to read to you a couple of passages in Romans that confirm what Psalm 19 says. Romans 1.18 says that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because He has made it plain. He's shown it. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. How? In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. All creation declares that there's one God, the living God, who made the world and everything in it. And that God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins and to raise from the dead that we might have life. But because of sin, creation's broken. This creation that all day long is singing His praise as the wind 
blows through the trees. Yesterday at our house, it was singing his praise as new cardinal babies were born, and we were really excited about that. But it's groaning as well. Paul says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed to us for creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's you and me, all who are in Christ Jesus. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it. In hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. We want to be a signpost as we groan in the midst of this broken world that Jesus is Lord. We want our lives as we seek good for our community, good for our nation, good for the world, to be signposts to the kingdom that is coming. So we wait with patience, and the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit Himself intercedes as we groan with creation, with these groanings too deep for words. But when the Spirit intercedes for us, He's interceding according to the will of God and His creation gives Him glory. It does so according to His will. See, the skies declare the glory of God, but it's not just the skies that the psalmist says declare the glory of God. It's also the Scriptures. He says in verse 7, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. God uses the Scripture to awaken our dead hearts in a drunk In a sleepy world, the Word of God is living and active, and the law of the Lord is perfect. It helps us when we look on God's perfect law to see our imperfections. We look on God's perfect law, and it helps us to see our imperfections. We can forget our own imperfections, but when we look at the Scripture, we're reminded of our sin. The law of the Lord is perfect, and and as we see our sin, we know we need a Savior, and it revives our soul, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Paul tells Timothy that the Scripture is able to make us wise unto salvation. The testimony of the Lord is sure, it makes wise the simple. Now we live in a world where everyone will espouse his or her own wisdom And everyone, it seems, with the rise of social media, is given equal voice. There's a death of expertise. And we need wisdom. So James tells us in James chapter 1, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously. So generously that he's given us a book with many authors on many continents, written over 1,500 years that is wisdom that will make us wise from salvation, and we need God's wisdom. Who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct? Let him show his works in the meekness of his wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above. It is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. 
For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice, but the wisdom from above is first pure. Then it's peaceable. Then it's gentle. Then it's open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Those who make peace are those simple who've been made wise. Simple who've been made wise by the testimony of the Lord. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart line by line. This is what fills us with joy. We lay down our lives for one another that our joy may be made full because we are listening to and obeying the Scripture. Then the psalmist says, The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. See, the commandments of God open our eyes to the truth. If you want to see how life ought to work, you look at the Scripture. It'll lead us to Christ. and It'll guide our lives. If you want to see how life ought not to work, watch the news. Spend a lot of time on social media. But if you want to see how life ought to work, look at the Scripture because the commandment of the Lord is pure and it enlightens our eyes. This is the way. The fear of the Lord, the psalmist says, is clean. It endures forever. See, there are all kinds of things we tend to stand in awe of and stand in fear of. We fear what our friends will think. We fear what others will do to us or say to us. We fear that our candidate won't win. We fear that our economy will be hurt. We fear that we will get sick. We fear that our freedoms will be taken away. And all those fears are going to be done away with. They are temporary, but the fear of the Lord. Somebody who sees this God and says, I will lay myself down. Because this God, if He kept a record of sins, none of us could stand. But with Him, there is forgiveness. Therefore, He will be feared. The fear of the Lord is clean. It endures forever. The rules of the Lord are true. They are righteous all together. There's nothing wrong in this Word. And I don't mean there's nothing wrong with this Word. That's true. But there is nothing wrong in this Word. It is completely right and perfect in its testimonies. Well, how does this work out in our lives? How do we let the Scripture speak to us? How do we let it impact us? Verse 10, More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. See, this is speaking of taste and a value that this word is more valuable than the most precious of metals, than all the things we think we ought to have. This is more valuable, and we've got it. It's sweeter than the sweetest things that nature produces. It's sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. Through this book, we don't taste a little honey. We taste and see that the Lord is good, and He's a shield to all those who take refuge in Him. So we need the Word. Why are they to be desired more than gold? The Scriptures, why are they to be desired even more than much fine gold? Why are they sweeter than honey from the drippings of the honeycomb? Because by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. By them is your servant warned, 
And in keeping them, there's great reward. There are all kinds of messages that you are going to hear today, but this gives us warning and this gives us reward in a world with all kinds of messages. See, by them, your servants warn them. In keeping them, there's great reward. There's nobody that I personally know that understands this better than my friend, Skeeta Jenkins. Skeeta knows the Word in such an incredible way because he meditates on it, he hides it in his heart, he memorizes it, and he mobilizes it. And so many, many months ago, I'm in the gym and I see Skeeta there and I go over to say hi, but I don't want to interrupt him because he's got these three by five cards. I'm working out, he's just sitting there, right? Between sets, right? Right? Yeah. I work out a little, sit there a lot. You work out a lot, sit there a little. But Skeeta's just going through these cards, and Skeeta acts. And so I thought, oh, he must be memorizing lines for something. And when he stopped for a second, I said, Skeeta, what are you doing? And he said, oh, I'm just hiding the word. I'm just hiding the word. I got to have it in me. And so I see him again. He's doing the same thing, the same thing, same thing. So I just said, Skeeta, I just think it's good for people to see what it looks like when the word is hidden in us. So tell me a couple of passages that you just know. Would you be willing to share one with us? And so he mentioned a couple. And so I asked Skeeta, I think a great word any day, but in this day, a really helpful word. So Skeeta, would you just tell us Romans 12, please, sir? sir. Bear with me a second. This is my first time doing this. So when I sweat, I just sweat. So here we go. Uh, Romans 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having then gift differing according to the grace that is given to us. If prophecy let us use in proportion to our faith, or ministry let us use in our ministry, he who teaches in teaching, who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honor giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfast in the needs of the saints, giving the hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no evil for evil, have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you'll heap coals of burning fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So, Skeeta, as, as people see you, you do that, because when I see you do that, I just go, 
Like the first thing I want to do is go, well, Skeet is way smarter than me and he can just memorize stuff better. That, that's, that's obviously the case. And anybody that knows me goes, well, Chase, it's not hard to be smarter than you, right? No. But Skeet, how, how long did it take you to, to memorize Romans 12? I've been um, for about a week. About a week. I've I, been doing it since uh, 2000. So I started with single scriptures. Now I can remember chapters. And I just, if you see me walking with no cards, it's just to, keep them fresh because I can sit away from them. And then when I come back, so you just got to keep doing it. To, so how to, many hours in a week? I try to do it every day when I walk. So I walk for 30 minutes, so 30 minutes. 30 minutes a day. Yep. Amazing. Thank you, Skeeter. Yep. Let's, let's give some appreciation. Man, when I, when I, heard Skeeta say Romans 12. There was some of it I knew and some of it I didn't. Otherwise, I could have just spouted it off, but I don't know it like that. But I just thought as I, as I read through it last night, and as I heard him say it again, there are things right there that warn me about my attitude. They warn me about my heart. They warn me about my own sinfulness. And then there are things in there that there is great reward. So I wonder what it would look like just as a body if we said, you know what, I bet I can find 30 minutes in my day. I just bet I can find 30 minutes in my day. And now, now Skeeter, he's been doing it for 20 years. So I bet the longer you do it, the better you get at it. But by them is your servant warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. And you might hear that and you think, well, I don't really know that I know that. But the next couple of verses kind of express why we really know that is the psalmist with humility just asks for help. See, we need this because collectively right now we are listening to and expressing the overflow of our hearts. We are listening to the overflow of others' hearts and we are expressing the overflow of our hearts. And man, I hope for God's people that the overflow of our hearts is the word of God. So he says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. There are two kinds of sins that the psalmist is gonna talk about. Who can discern his hidden errors? Wait, you mean there are sins that I might have in my heart, in my mind, in my mouth, in my actions that I didn't even realize I was doing? I mean, I'm sure that's not true of any of you, but I think it might be true of me. Help me to discern my hidden errors. The psalmist seems to say we can't do that. Help me discern my hidden errors and declare me innocent from hidden faults. Well, how can God declare us innocent from hidden faults? He's holy. He has to punish the guilty. And he says, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. There are ways of thinking that we all grow up with in every culture, in every background. We grow up with ways of thinking that are inherently broken and sinful. And they rise up from carelessness, just believing our ways are normative and best. Tony Reinke, in an article for Desiring God, says presumptuous sins arise from carelessness from, with God and His Word and carelessness with the needs of others. We can be lured into these sins by the willful disobedience of others. Whatever the origin, 
Over time, our carelessness leads to callousness, and calloused hearts lead to arrogance or insolence toward God and others. Lord, let them not have dominion over me. The psalmist is saying, there's a real chance that my sins could enslave me and overpower me. God, let that not be the case. Let my sins not have dominion over me. I don't want to surrender to my sins so that I'm stuck with myself trying to bring about my own personal agenda. I want to surrender to Jesus as part of the community of God so that I can walk on mission with His people. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Well, we've got a problem there. He says, then I will be blameless and innocent of great transgression, but we are not all blameless and innocent of great transgression. We've got a sin problem. I have a sin problem. So how are we to be blameless and innocent of great transgressions? Well, Romans 8 such a great chapter. Skeeta, I might need to memorize that one. It tells us there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ. And it goes on to describe how God has called and predestined and justified and glorified us. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Well, how is God, this holy and perfect God, going to be for us? when we're not innocent of transgressions. He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? We can be innocent of our great transgressions because God gave His Son for us all. He didn't spare His Son in the midst of our rebellion, in the midst of our pride, in the midst of our unbelief, in the midst of our sinfulness. He didn't spare His own Son. He gave Him for us all. So, how will He not with Him give us freely all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, the resurrected Jesus Christ is now interceding for us. So who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? No. Or distress? Or persecution? No. Or famine? Or nakedness? Or danger? Or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation we will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of the blood of Jesus Christ, all who hope in Him can be called blameless and innocent of great transgression. So the psalmist is just overwhelmed by the gift of the Scripture and amazed by the beauty of creation. He says, 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O God, my rock and my redeemer. So think about the thoughts that you've had in the last few months and the words that you've said in the last few months. Think about the thoughts that you've had in the last few months, but you weren't brave enough to actually let them come out of your mouth. Think about the things that you've typed or that you've read that others have typed in the last few months. And and the psalmist just makes this really simple prayer that would just be such a good day as we cry out at the, or such a good way as we cry out at the beginning of the day. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. In his sight. The God who made the heavens. The God who gave the word. My rock and my redeemer. My rock and my redeemer. That's who Jesus Christ is for all who hope in him. He's a rock, a foundation, something strong to stand on in troubled times. And then he's the redeemer. He's our redeemer. That's what creation, the sun and the breeze and the sky and the trees are waiting for. They're waiting for the redemption of our bodies as as we're revealed as the children of God. Ephesians 1 says, In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, and we've been sealed by His Spirit as a guarantee of our inheritance. So I'm just going to ask you as we close our time today with one more song, is Jesus Christ your rock and redeemer? Is Jesus Christ your rock and redeemer? So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads if you would, and maybe today... You don't know the answer to that. Maybe today you, you don't know if Jesus is your rock and your redeemer. Maybe you don't know the forgiveness that's given through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're trusting in something else. Maybe you're trusting in yourself for your own righteousness. And today you can make Jesus your rock and redeemer. As, as Christians in this stadium are praying for you now, those who are following Christ, I'd ask maybe today you would want to pray. Jesus, would you be my rock? Jesus, would you be my redeemer? Would you save me? Would you make me innocent of my sins? And could I come into your family? Could I be part of your people? Maybe today you're asking that. If you are, I'd love for you to share with one of our deacons or one of our pastors, one of our elders, we'd love to visit with you and talk about what it means to follow Jesus. God, our prayer is that just like the heavens don't fail to give you glory, God, that gladly every day our worship would be that we want to give you glory with the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart, with the actions that we take, that we want to give you glory. You're our rock and our redeemer. So God, we pray that we would love your word. And as we do, and as we're shaped through the power of your Holy Spirit, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would indeed be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and our redeemer. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.